Hey everyone, Michael J. Nelson here. This is Like Trees Walking. Uh, you can be excited, David Berge, Pastor David Berge, about what you want to be excited about. I'll be excited about the fact that the return of eating revolting food. The triumphant return. <laughs> it's, been, it's been too long since I forced you to eat something. So we'll get to that. But, people have uh, been, and the people have been begging for they this. They have spoken. They are in one voice on this. Eat more garbage, I think, is the voice. That we can't saying. see, and it's, it's just great radio. It is. It, uh, and as I always say, wet mouth noises. Who doesn't like that in their ears? That's and the then knowing that, thing. and then imagining that it's just awful yes. food at the same time. But that's not what we're about here. We're about talking about the big issues of life, life, death, the afterlife, if it exists. Is there a God? Does he love us or hate us? Does he want to crush us into a fine powder? And spread us over the universe. Does he? Uh, I don't know. There's many things that he can. Do. <laughs> you can just man, just you're seeing where that was ending. At the end of it. <laughs> Does he ride a chariot and hurl thunderbolts? I don't know. A la Zeus. Yes. Uh, does he swim under the sea and does she swim under the sea you mean <laughs> that uh those are the kinds of issues that's we we, we went over that i sure would like to meet her <laughs> uh, david david bren uh-huh. <laughs> oh no we're we're very enlightened but we also want to you know wrestle with these issues and we invite all people from all different faiths and beliefs and no beliefs the nuns the N O N E S. But if there were some nuns who listened, even yeah, yeah any like N U N S, anyone, yeah, anyone. Maria. Oh, if there were nuns. Oh, if there were like nuns, yeah, yeah. N U N S. Like if there were nuns in their convent, yeah, that would be great. Too. That we would love it. We'd All love of them. them. Satanists. We figure we probably don't have many if we, we did a breakout of our audience. But uh, where is there like there's a Satan? We have a Satanist display even in Minnesota. We have. A it's display. like one of these public parks up somewhere. It's got like. There's like the Ten Commandments up there, and then like some, you know, the sa- the Satanists were like, "Well, um, we would like to uh, have something to uh, bail uh, a statue, like you know." <laughs> and oh, <then> they said, <laughs> as the kids say, SMDH mm-hmm. on that one. Um, but anyway, so yeah, we talk about these important issues, break them down from our Christian perspective. I think we said before with a basic basic reform. I don't, I don't know. That's my, I'm a reform uh, Christian. In a yeah. basic, eh? you're ba- you are basic. I'm, I'm a basic. <laughs> He's a ba- You're you, you're basically a, a, a reformed Protestant, I would say. Yeah, that's, largely. That's yeah, the, you know. Yeah, right. Mere Christianity is what I believe in. That's right. Um. Anyway, so we will talk about this big issue, and then later we will get to disgusting food. But uh, Pastor David. Uh, introduce yourself again. Your, do you want to talk about your church at all? Or no, you just, okay. I, I want these to be evergreen. So, like, I know. Oh, that, you're thinking that at once well, the church has crumbled so, and fallen. Into. Well, I'm just saying at one point, my, <laughs> somebody, you know, said that I want these to be evergreen. And that's why you reference Star Wars so much because you know that it will outlive you. By <laughs> that will outlive whatever ministry I'm doing or whatever. You know what I mean? Because I could be like, ah, I'm a pastor here, and then people would just go. If people want to figure that out, they can figure that out. But these are. These are evergreen. Okay. And right. um, noted. Yeah, that's just what I You also don't want to be doxxed and uh No, and, I think it, it would also be extremely <laughs> easy to dox and or swat me. So please don't do that. Uh well actually dox yeah, probably doxing me would be extremely easy since I say my name and where I live and Yeah, this is not <laughs> tough stuff here. This, <laughs> this is, is not difficult stuff. So anyway, all right. So introduce your big topic and uh 
you'll hear me fade off the microphone because I'm going to adjust Pastor Dave's mic because I'm also the tech guy here. He so, is. No, I'm, I'm, it's like Spinal Tap. I'm creeping across the stage. All right, go ahead, Dave. Take it away. Okay. So this is a this is a big topic, um, a huge topic when it comes to Christian theology. It hasn't always been tr- treated as such, uh, but it resonates with something that happened uh, very very recently and uh, generated a firestorm of of controversy of of takes. And so I want to address these, not necessarily weigh too much in on the specifics of the situation, though. I have some maybe. You have some thoughts on I have that. some thoughts on that. Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about it. <laughs> exactly. I have some thoughts on that. But, um, and this is the, uh, the, 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 the case of, uh, his name is John, John, John Chow. Uh, the, he was a, a missionary. We can get into what exactly that, what exactly it means, what he was doing. But he was, he was the missionary guy who was, uh, he died. He was killed by the North Sentinelese. People, this tiny little island off of it, it's part of India's uh, territory, apparently. And so it was, yeah, I think in the middle of November, um, he went out there and he was killed. And then news of that, surprisingly, news of that um, spread all over the world. And um, a surprising amount of uh, kind of glee at the death of this young, I think he was like 26 or 27 years old, like a surprising amount of glee at the death of this young man who was basically um, reviled uh, for a whole host of reasons, a myriad of reasons. Um, but I think, it, you know, if we take it down to its essence, um, that there's just a lot of people in, um, at least in, in our part of the world, the, the Western world, uh, America and, and Western Europe, who view uh, the missionary enterprise as, uh, in and of itself, illegitimate, right? This, this is uh, colonialist, um, you know, just in and of itself, that, that this is the peak of hubris to think that you should go out and try to convert people to your religion, that, that, that you know, kind of a, a missionary uh, conversion-oriented religion is anathema. It's bad because you're trying to impose uh, Western culture or Western Christian culture and values and all these sort of things on people, and that that, that you, can't, yeah, you shouldn't a very, do. That. Very popular view. I think I just saw one headline, and again, the writers don't necessarily write the headlines, but I think it was pretty much uh, John Chow. Is that what the? That? Yeah, John John Chow. I mean, like, because I oops, I just dropped Whoops. my phone. It's yeah, but it doesn't go. matter. It's carpeted floor. It's beautiful. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's C H A U. So Chow. I think. Okay. Pronouncing it correctly. I've heard his name said a hundred times, and now I'm doubting myself. Okay. But, but it's John Chow. It's okay. John Chow. Yeah. All right. I think I saw the headline was simply, John Chow deserved to die, and here's why. <laughs> so yeah. mincing no words there. Yeah, he just deserved saying. Deserved to die, and here's why. Because, and not only that, I think one of the, uh, an extra piece that would get added would be, well, he's, this is this relatively, um, un you know, uncontacted people. And so he's going to be bringing with him all of these diseases against which they have no immunity. Right. So he's threatening their very lives, their very existence by coming into contact with them. So he deserved to die. I think that's sort of like the, yeah, beyond the, um, you know, imperial, you know, colonialist mindset that, that he is bringing with himself. It's the, the, the grave danger that he brought to their, um, to their very existence would be like, yeah, you do that. You know, they should kill you. They, they were protecting themselves. So it just raises like a whole host mm-hmm. of really interesting questions. Um, and, and I'm, you know, I'll say that there's certainly objections one could make to how John Chow went about this. And, 
um, the wisdom in doing this and was this the right way to do it. But I, I will defend uh, on its face the Christianity being a missionary faith. So the idea that you go out and you share the Christian me- message with people who don't believe in it um, with the goal of them coming to believe it, to embrace mm-hmm. the message of Christianity, the message of Christ. Absolutely. Yeah, this is inseparable from what our, at least our understanding of Christianity Yeah, and this, is. I mean, this is not a fringe uh, uh, pos- position. No, I mean, no, this no. was a, and this was in the complete mainstream of all strands of, of Christianity, certainly uh, in the West, Catholicism and Protestantism, um, uh, that, like, that the church, I mean, this is just baked in that that missions is what the church does this is not something i mean you look at the especially the early 20th century which was maybe the peak of the foreign missions movement i mean this was you know every denomination was um doing mission work and sending missions across yeah missionaries across the world now also the critique of missions and um reaction against missionary activity is extremely old itself dates back from the world even before the world war ii era serious doubts about this project crept in so if you want to think about the critique of missionaries is not new and in fact came from within christianity itself probably some of the most harsh harsh critiques this is something that i um studied a bit (laughs) i mean i studied it I took a few classes on this in seminary, and so I feel somewhat well-versed. I'm not an expert in foreign missions um, at all. But just to say that that theology itself in the 20th century into the 21st um, in many ways reoriented its entire understanding upon Christianity at its essence being a missionary faith because um, God, uh, the triune God, is a missionary God, that, that the Father from all eternity, the Father sends the Son, and the Father and Son uh, send the Spirit, and so that God in and of God's own being is a missionary being. And so uh, God, as we participate in the divine life, the triune life of God, part of that is mission, engaging in God's mission to the world. This is where the um, term missional theology comes from. It's not a brand new thing that was just invented early in the 21st century, though it maybe re-rose to prominence during that time, but it dates very far back into the 20th century and uh, into the work of, of such uh, theologians like Karl Barth and uh, Martin Kaler, very famously said, uh, Protestant uh, theologian in the 20th century, he said, he said, the church exists by mission as a fire exists by burning. Mm-hmm. So this was an v- extremely um, influential theological idea. That, that Now, what exactly are missions and what role does um, proselytizing and conversion play in missions? You know, that that that's something that's been... Um, fiercely debated uh within within uh within western christianity particularly for for a long long time but the idea that being a missionary going to places where there aren't christians to minister to folks and share the gospel with them i mean that is it's baked into the theological tradition and why is that well i mean you know read the new testament and that's not very hard but brent strong would say don't just read the new testament read the old testament where there's all of this talk of uh, you know, I mean, it goes back to Genesis 12 and, and God blessing Abraham and saying, through you, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. So there's kind of a missionary understanding 
of uh, of the what it means to be God's people within that. And then uh, you look in the Old Testament, a lot of the language is about the nations um, coming to Zion, coming to Jerusalem. So there's almost this more like attractional understanding of mission, I would say, is the predominant mode that you see in the Old Testament. And then in the New Testament, you see, I mean, Jesus going out and this itinerant, you know, preacher and healer moving around. And then he uh, says at the end of Matthew, this very famous great commission, you know, go therefore uh, and disciple the nations. And so Jesus sends out his followers to uh, ta'ethne, the nations, the Gentiles, beyond the borders of the Jewish community. And the earliest Christians, when they face some persecution in Jerusalem, that's what it says in Acts, they then spread out across the Mediterranean world and begin um, sharing the message of Christ with other people, and Christianity is born as a missionary movement. Paul himself, who the author of, um, you know, the pre- predominant author of the New Testament books with that we have within the New Testament, um, he himself was a missionary and a church planter, um, and and that was his primary role. And the primary literature we have is him him writing to churches that he either founded or were brand new Christian communities that were founded because of missionary activity. So, mission is baked into the very heart of Christian theology as we understand God as a missionary God. It's central uh, to the Scripture and and the New Testament, and it's how the religion itself was born, was through missionary activity. So it's just, it's, it's inextric, you can't extricate mission yeah. from he, Christianity. John Chow was not doing anything that thousands, millions of Christians haven't done before. But... What was the knowing the details of it is important. Yes. How was he going about it, and what did he? What are the critiques focusing on in terms of uh, what he did wrong? Even you know, even if they don't believe in <laughs> at all what he was doing, right. there's what, some other right. I mean, I do like so. I I think that um, as someone who sees missionary activity as valid and as part of the Christian faith, and I mean, like missionary activity i believe even from like the united nations perspective that's a valid form of religious practice so you might not like it but that's i mean i think people who people who like living in a free society in a free world should support um the activity <laughs> like they should support those so. kind of things i hope so too you know like the yeah the jehovah's witness you know or or mormon coming to your door they might be annoying but i'd much rather have a country where in a world where that kind of activity can take place, then yeah. it can't, you know, yeah, to be honest. Absolutely. So I kind of, I, I actually like when people are going around and doing that stuff because um, I think it makes for a, a more vibrant uh, society and interesting world yeah. just as an aside. Um, right. You know, but uh, so what he did, I mean, I think that when you're a missionary and a mission, that word comes from this Latin word missio, to be sent. And so I think there is a question of, well, who was, who was sending John Chow to this. I mean, ultimately, our call um, comes from God. Uh, but, you know, what was the sending a- agency or organization, you know, who was doing that? Like, where, w- who kind of gave him their imprimatur or stamp of approval or authority to do this? And so I know he went through an organization called All Nations. I really don't know anything about them other than their goal is to uh, reach kind of what in missionary circles are called unreached people groups, you know, people who've had no exposure a lot of times to much of modern civilization mm-hmm. or, and not the Christian message or um, Christianity at all. Uh, you know, so who, like, who gets to send, 
you know, is it churches? Is it denominations? Is it these parachurch ministries? I think that's a actually a, a really important conversation, one that I'm not going to try to settle here on this podcast. But I think there is a really valid question about um, who it is that gets to do um, the sending. What is the institutions that do that? Um, in terms of uh, training and knowledge yeah. or just in I think terms in t- of... I think yeah. in terms of training and knowledge, yeah. you know, that that's really important. Because um, if you just go off on your own, uh, you know, that that you can do mission. You Because you want the goal of mission, right, is to reach people with the gospel of Christ, uh, the message and ministry of Jesus. And so you want to do that well. And so in order to do that well, I think... There, of course, training is super important, and understanding culture, and, uh, and it's from it sounds to me that John Chow at least uh, was working towards this, um, and had done a lot of things. Like he was not some cowboy, you know, riding off, um, you know, idiot, ill prepared. I think he he understood the risks of what he was going into. He had tried to prepare himself with at least some training in medicine, um, and uh, and at least some linguistic practice. You know, kind of adjacent. Um, tribal people whose language might be similar so that he could use that to somehow communicate with them. Mm-hmm. So he had done, so connecting with an organization that can evaluate your fitness um, for this uh, and uh, make sure that you have the requisite knowledge and um, practical preparation. And then there's also questions of, um, uh, you know, like understanding the culture that you're going to. And so that when you get there, like you can communicate with them somehow. There is, of course, health risks that that go wrong with it. You know, trying to mitigate against though those as much as you can. Although, I mean, the Indian government themselves had tried to make contact with these people for it, previously. Um, now they've kind of left them alone. But so, you know, they had interactions with them. They could have introduced them to diseases and that kind of things back then. Um, and 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 uh, yeah. So like these these are are valid questions. He went by himself. You know, and when Jesus sends people off, he always sends them off at least two by two. So some kind of group. And then there's this question of um, at what point does a group of people say no? You know, when Jesus sends out his disciples two by two, it's he goes, well, if a village rejects you, you know, wipe the dust off your feet and move on. He doesn't yeah. say, like, keep harassing. And I think that um, there is a question of when, what does, like, receiving a no from a group of people look like and so that you go all right i i tried yeah you know yeah. i think that that's an interesting question to me um I, I will just a quick note on that i had when i moved into a a new house a while ago some uh a let's just say a missionary group came to my door and i welcomed them in and listened to them and then i said in no uncertain terms like you know what this is great thank you good discussion I'm good, you know. I'm I'm on I'm on my own. I I got my faith, um, but I appreciate it. And they said, "Can we stop back?" And I said, "You you know, I mean, I guess, but I don't see the point. Like, I'm not, you know, I'll I'll do." And they kept coming back, and what they were doing was like training in because I was kind. Oh, yeah. So they're like, "Listen, they you can go to this guy." New yeah. guys in, and and I eventually I. I looked at them out the door once and was just shaking my head like, I have been so clear. And so it turned that whole idea of, yeah, I love this, that you're, you know, the the passion that you bring to this, that trying to share my beliefs, your beliefs with me, I'll share with you. And that's great. Open dialogue. And then all of a sudden it became 
an extreme irritant that interfered with my life and work. And it was just like, you guys had such a good chance. And she just blew it because you, I asked you very kindly not to come to my door during this time, whatever, you know, I don't want to get into the details, but the point being they so overstayed their welcome. And so, I mean, that's a small, a small thing, but it's, you know, I don't know. And it's, it's, it's what makes us, because these are groups, when we're talking about the North Sentinelese, they're completely cut off from modern civilization. Um, and so it's such a, I mean, there's, I don't know how many, there's probably only a few thousand, you know, we're talking about a po- global population of 7 billion, and we're talking about a f- at most a couple thousand people around the right. world who are this cut off. Like, they're such a unique and special case, because almost every other country, in uh, you know, is connected to the, you know, quote-unquote modern world, so there's sort of an expectation of, uh, when someone comes from the outside, like, there's a, within our cultures like there's a place for them you know like it might be on the periphery it might be as a visitor a tourist a temporary worker but like we have some idea of what to do with outsiders like at least giving them a temporary amount of time where they can be around us and then go whereas with like these guys live on an island and like if you go there um (laughs) as a modern person with a modern understanding of like statehood or you know like this North Centralese, like it's like, no, this is our turf. You're infringing on our turf, and you're a threat. And so what do we do to threats? We threaten you away, and then if you don't, like, heed our warnings, we kill you. Yeah. You know? And so, like, how, do you, how does one even interact with a people of a completely different, like, stage of civilizational development? Yeah. You know? I, mean, I read this book about, uh, you know, Teddy Roosevelt and his son after he lost the bull moose party and everything. He went on a an expedition to find a tributary of the Amazon or something, this insane mission that was ill-planned and everything. But they had a guide who was a prominent guy in, I forget which country, maybe Bolivia? Anyway, I had the facts wrong. But as they're going down the Amazon, he would sort of interact with one tribe and they would be very friendly. And then as he was leaving, they'd just kill a guy. (laughs) It was just like, yeah, sometimes they just get mad at you (laughs) And I'm not laughing, obviously, but there was no rhyme. Or, like, you were dealing with something so foreign, you have no idea. And they would give gifts to some, and the gifts would be insulting, and they'd say, we want more. And they'd smile, they'd talk to him, they'd play with their kids, and then they'd just kill the guy. It's like, so you're dealing with something, again, so foreign. You yeah, it's no... not the, the, that our assumptions and their assumptions and way... It's yeah, you're just... not sharing anything and <laughs> so I very mean, little. You know, I even read something of some... There's some organizations that were to reach these uh, kinds of, of populations, and they, they say that we work with people who are like an adjacent sort of people group. You know, someone who, when their appearance wouldn't be... Uh, like threatening you know they don't look like some strange outsider um like john chow he's uh asian american you know so like he his skin looked different he looked his clothes looked different like so someone who could maybe who was less threatening in in his in their appearance and approach like could maybe receive a better welcome or some kind of understanding to build uh, some sort of relationship uh, with these folks and i mean something that's really uh because I read a, an article written, uh, an interview at least with this woman, this uh, uh, Indian anthropologist who's one of the few people to have had like positive interactions with the North Sentinelese um, in the early 90s. And she's like, listen, this, they're going to die off anyways. She's like, their population is too small. 
and uh, their gene pool's too shallow. So, like, you know, why, her essential message was like, why don't we just let these people vanish in peace? Which I thought wow, was a really, that's like, very, that's, that's a, very dark kind that's of. quite a take. Right? I mean, so you go, well, this, uh, if you kind of understand that there's this tiny population of people living on this extremely small island, and you're going, yeah, you know, let's sort of leave them alone till they vanish. I mean, that in and of itself, isn't that like a, isn't there something horrible about that? Well, that would be like the, there's this understanding of, you know, just if you have the message that you think can save somebody's life and then you don't do it, that's kind of the Christian thing. Like we, you know, we believe we have this thing. It would be like saying, yeah, but, you know, look, if they have this disease, just let them die anyway. Don't give them the medicine because, you know, why do you want to mess with all of that? It's hard, you know, you have to fly in and you have to teach them how, what a needle, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I don't know. It's I, we believe that we have a life saving thing for them, and don't they deserve that? Well, and even think of Western, you know, Western medicine or techno. You know, like say you f- were able to somehow discern. Oh, half of the children born here die of this easily present preventable disease, right? Um, and all it takes is, uh, you know, a simple antibiotic or something like that. We see this happening, or we, we you know, uh, we have an extremely simple cure that's going to save uh, these lives. I mean. Like, what do you do? I don't know. Is that colonialism then? Are you violating the prime directive? Like, I don't... These are... This is why I say it's like, it's very... To hot take is very simple and go like, oh, you know, he's a cowboy idiot. He deserved to die. We should leave these people alone. And then when you look at um, some possible circumstances where you go... You go like, well, yeah, they're all going to die. Just go and let let them vanish in peace. That's a weird reaction to that. <laughs> it's kind of what that was. Yeah. Like, let them. She's basically saying, like, they're gonna die off. Their 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 culture, uh, you know, their their tiny little island population is gonna be gone. So leave them alone. Let them go. And it's like, ah, really? Oh boy, yeah. Would that's... you want? I mean, and that's the sort of golden rule. Would you do unto others as you want to do unto you? Would you want that to happen to your people? Yeah. Boy. So it's it's I mean especially it's complicated in any time of in any kind of cross cultural situation, but when it's almost this like Iron Age or Stone whatever yeah. you know when you have two just vastly different stages in civilizational development coming into contact to me that adds a whole other degree of complexity to the to the conversation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it is you know going back to his prepping for it and being wiser. I guess if those criticisms come up, I mean, it's sort of harsh in the light of his death to say he should have done this or whatever, you know, give it some time and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll get to this later. Like, should he have traveled with another person? Should he have equipped himself better? Those are all questions. But philosophically, I think, I mean, yeah, I don't have a problem with him reaching out to these people who... We're going to die by their gene pool fading out anyway, you know, whatever yeah, that... that yeah, that the validity, being the validity of missionary activity and conversion, you know, conversion-oriented activity, trying to convince people of the correctness of the Christian faith, I have, you know, that's something that I, to put, put it in those, you know, stark, as stark a terms as possible, yeah, that's something I support and agree with and think is um, inherent within the, uh, within the gospel itself. I also think... Um, also respecting the rights and dignity of people to say no, to yeah. refuse that, you yeah. know, and to not harass uh, people as well. I th- uh, that's also something that I believe in strongly as well. And I believe that, you know, even if people aren't receptive to the message, that um, 
there are many, many good works that people can do that go under the auspices of, of mission, just simply as an expression of, of Christian um, love and this love for humanity that we want to um, make sure that regardless of people's beliefs, because they bear the image and likeness of God um, and, and Christ loves them, that we want their lives to be filled with as little suffering as possible and as much health and prosperity, you know, that, that like this kind of Christian humanitarianism almost, um, that, that there is certainly a, a, a place for that in mission. I would never uh, want to divorce sharing the message behind what's motivating that, but also to say that that in and of itself is a valid exporn, uh, form of Christian mission. And I mean, someone, uh, you know, I've known many missionaries over the years, supported them. And so, uh, you know, someone who I knew uh, in seminary had a relative who was killed, viciously killed by the Taliban. Um, and they were a missionary working in Afghanistan, and they were not po- proselytizing at all. Um, they were d- bringing health to, you know, healthcare um, to extremely remote places where people were getting no, you know, there were no services, no government, and the tribal organizations weren't, you know, there was no resources there. And the Taliban just took this person, and he was Western, even though he was completely a culture. I mean, the most acculturated, like appropriate, trained, equipped person you could ever possibly imagine. I mean, the perfect, you know, Western saint in terms of if you didn't support Christian mission activity, this is the guy you point to as like, well, he's at least doing it right. He's doing it the right way. He's doing it the right way. And he was just summarily executed on the side of the road by the the Taliban. Good heavens, yeah. I mean, I guess I was thinking of the, that's very similar to the example I was thinking of in my head of if you were, you went to a place to preach the gospel and they said, Thank you very much. No, but you went, you know what? I noticed you don't have a well. I know how to dig. I have expertise in digging wells. It looks like you're all need a well. Yeah. (laughs) Would you be, and they would, you know, like, I'm not going to say another word about this. To me, that seems like also the Christian outreach. Like, that's one of the skills I built. I know how to do it. Let's, you know, let's get you a well and get you some water or something. Would that be appropriate to? Jeez, I I, I would think so, You would think so, right? (laughs) Yeah. And so, um, and, and, and yeah, I think that, uh, the, the colonialist, you know, the critique of Christianity as this kind of, you know, white man's religion or this colonial enterprise, I mean, the critique of mission activity done in that way itself is not something that's, um, sort of shocking or foreign to the missionary community. It's something that's been, this has been a part of the debate and dialogue and conversation within Christian missionary circles for so long. So I think that too, if you're not familiar with this kind of Christian missionary, missiology is the term that it goes under in, in Christian theology. No, please know that there are, you know, uh, fierce debates within, um, you know, the mission movement itself about how to do this well and how to do it right. Yeah. And um, much, I mean, much valid critique has taken place and learning has taken place over the years. But, uh, uh, you know, that missionary activity, I mean, that's just that the Christianity is a missionary faith. Yeah. All right. Well, that's serious stuff. And uh, we're going to take a little break and then some less serious stuff. Although, the country of Japan will be reaching out to us with a little missionary work of their own, <laughs> with a food brought back from our neighbors to the east. And uh, we'll be doing that right after this uh, message from the pastor. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, this is my episode uh 
my each episode I give a special appeal. And so thank you. I want to say thank you, everyone. We're up, I think, to like 114 ratings and reviews at this point. We've smashed, blown past the barrier. Our next big hill to take is 125 um, reviews on Apple Podcasts. And so if you could, uh, if you've been listening and haven't already, if you could rate us and review us, I, I love reading the reviews. So thank you. Um, everyone who who does that. And uh, I hope that no matter where you're coming from in listening to this podcast, uh, that you at least uh, find our discussions um, interesting, engaging, entertaining, uh, cogent, and coherent. And um, I, I think as you can hear in this episode, you know, a lot of these things that uh, it, there's kind of a, uh, you know, a, a, a guidepost that, that we're using, but we're figuring out along the way too. And so um, you get to overhear a conversation where Mike and I are hashing these things out and trying to, to figure out uh, what is a faithful response to a, a perennial and pressing challenge in our culture. And so thank you for your support in doing that and your feedback in doing that well. You can find us uh, on, at ltwpod.com, uh, at ltwpod on uh, Twitter, and uh, like Trees Walking, we have a Facebook group you can follow. So thank you so much for your listening, for your support, um, and uh, let's get back to the show. And we are back. And man, am I thrilled because during the break, uh, when Pastor was doing his appeal, oh I went, gosh. I nipped out to my kitchen. I got my, how should we describe these? Dave, Dave and I were working with a translator. These are, uh, it's a Japanese food product. Um, I don't know what they are. I think they're fish cakes. Probably got to be some crab in there or something. Some sort of cheese, maybe shrimp. Anyway, my they uh, smell they, horrible. They were a gift from a family member who had just been to Japan. This family member has no idea what they are uh, and did not recommend them, uh, but said, "I think it would be fun for you Curse to make you, Dave family eat member. one of these." <laughs> and what they look like is little—they look like hot dogs, but they are pale, <laughs> uh, very pale, much paler than a hot dog. Juan, would you call them Juan? Uh, yes, I would call them wan. I would call them um, uh, farinaceous slightly. They, they're sort of grainy a little bit. There's um, but yeah, they're they, they're and they hot. Almost, they and, they they're shaped like a hot dog, uh, like a yellowy almost uh, cheese, like a cheese stick. I would yeah, say like yeah. string cheese. So very appealing is what you're saying. Smell they that just what you think of as like oh, the stereotypical sorry. like garbage. Nasty, garbage. strong. No, sorry, no, like not garbage. Fish, fish, like the extreme yeah. nasty fish smell. Oh, I don't think they it's have nasty that. at all. But let's go. Let's dig I in. I can smell. I could smell it sitting across. Why don't the you room. go first, and then uh, and give me your impression. And there's little speckles of of like orange in it. We believe there might be cheese in it. Our translator was very unclear about <laughs> many details. Where there was warning about the metal clip on the bag, but actually there, there was a little peel apart tab. So you heat them up in water bath. Like, just like, you know, some people cook hot dogs. I don't cook them that way, but... Um, How do you cook hot dogs? I, you know, a little bit of grilling, I oh, think, okay. is usually puts a little spin on the hot dog yeah. that, that I enjoy. Um, oh or on a flat top or something this like that. This is so anyway, here wretched. We go. Don't, I'm just don't smelling it. Stop I asking questions. Eat the I fish tore it cake. open, and I'm smelling it, and it smells even more wretched. It smells so right. good. I'm actually I'm liking. Go. Here we go. Dave's going to do this. I'll describe it. No wet mouth sounds on the uh, microphone, please. Uh, give me your first impressions. He is closing his eyes. He's wincing. He now he's full out, full out wincing. He's full out revolting face, as though he's just eaten a handful of dirt. 
Um, he's smacking his lips. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. He's making oh. the uh, tragedy face mask. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. and now, well, I take my bite. You oh, describe my. your experience oh. after that. Because I'm going to have yours, too. It's It tastes like fish food smells. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of seaweedy, too, I would say, a little bit. Like, I'm getting kind of that flavor. Like a salty seaweed. Mm-hmm. Like a... If like a, you had like a kind of a, a cheesy wrapper uh, to a like a sushi roll or something without any of the good parts like rice oh, or tuners, uh, Mike just ate the whole. So Mike just downed it. Mike has grabbed. He's reaching and he has grabbed mine, and he is. These are so good. I'm not kidding. This is delicious. It's awful. Oh, there's like a little spice to there it. There is a spice. Yeah, there is a spice to it. Mm. These are wonderful. They are wretched and terrible. I have to stop eating because I love them so much. <laughs> Mike, gonna, the rest of the podcast will be, be, be mm. just talking. So if you like a really strong seaweedy fish flavor, and it is a little spicy, just a little bit. I mean, just a little kick to it. You would like this. If you hate that kind of fish foody te- flavor, you would despise this. I would me. say the texture is not going to be for everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but if you are i mean in the asian world fish cakes they're, they're they eat them all the time everybody eats a fish cake so it's just like a you know it's like the a, a meatball made of fish only it's the texture is a little more <laughs> a little more challenging for the western palate i would say but i i find them delicious they were scary because we knew nothing about them dave Sheer found them scarier ignorance. than they actually it did not taste good. It didn't taste good. At it all. tasted delicious. I recommend them. We'll try to find. Maybe we could post a picture of the package. We and should have someone translate to what the brand and what they actually are, so we can recommend them to everyone. We will send that out. out. We'll send that out to our email list. Yeah, folks, please identify this. Okay. So that is a real incentive to but sign Mission up for. accomplished. I don't think you've ever liked any food that we've eaten on the air. Probably a fact. I don't think, I mean, if anyone can think of, I can't, you don't, you don't like sardines. You certainly didn't like spirulina. No. That was a failed experiment, uh, which I continue to eat. Not happily, but I eat it. Um, anything else that you liked? I can't no, think of a thing. No. That's oh, the bad. octopus. Didn't you like? It wasn't bad. Okay. Wasn't bad. I wouldn't. Was your highest. Never. I would never purchase it or choose. Like, oh, like, I'm hungry. Yeah. I mean, this, if I were starving, you know, I would gag it down sure all right well i'm going to declare the the missionary outreach from this japanese fish cake uh, <laughs> they've convert, you converted you are a full convert I'm full convert and i'm ready to sign into the program i am so give me the, i'm shaking my bow and arrow and at them and telling them to get away from my there's, island there's any free uh product uh promotional consideration for uh <laughs> like trees walking please send it our way but uh, we will be back with more high and low topics. And uh, as always, this is Michael J. Nelson. And David Berge. And this is Like Trees Walking. <laughs>